what is a lovely church and, um, and to be greeted so kindly by, by people here. The Leprosy Mission would like to thank um, you on behalf, uh, well, on behalf of them. I'd like to thank you on behalf of the Leprosy Mission um, because of the regular um, commitment that you have in prayer and donations and we're very mindful of, of the support from this church and so we thank you very much indeed. But for those of you who aren't necessarily as familiar with the leprosy mission as indeed I was just a few years ago, would it surprise you to think that we've still got leprosy um, very prevalent around the world today? It's not just something that's from biblical days. Um, The statistic that's hit home to me was that every two minutes somebody in the world is being diagnosed with leprosy. That means that there are 200,000 new cases of leprosy every year. And I was just doing a quick calculation that that means everyone in in this Horwich district is going to catch leprosy in the next... uh, ten times in the next year. It's It's that dramatic. It's that big. And that's just the amount of leprosy cases that are diagnosed... It doesn't include um, all those cases that are still undiagnosed. To put it in another way, um, in the hour that we shall spend here um, this morning, there will be 22 new cases of leprosy being diagnosed. It's it's a terrible statistic. Um, Leprosy is not just a a life-changing disease um, to the body but it destroys hope. It takes children out of education and it removes what little opportunity people had and were expecting um, through their lives. And it brings about terrible discrimination. Um, Fortunately, there's a lot more education these days, but there are still parts of the world where the leper is completely um, either removed from the community or... um, very much ostracised within the community. Um, I was reading recently of a a young lady um, who'd been cured from leprosy, because there is a cure. And um, she had a job and went back to her village and they were arranging the marriage and three different suitors came along and they all rejected her because she'd had leprosy. And whilst there's no new cases of leprosy here in the UK... I believe this as the body of Christ, we should have not just an understanding um, of where and how this terrible disease is affecting people, but we should have a strong compassion to how that we can help with the um, eradication and, and the ongoing support for people with the disease. And it's that that I shall continue with Um, when I speak to you, should we say, proper um, after communion. Thank you. It's from Mark chapter 1, verses 48 to 45. A man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. 
See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. As a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet the people still came to him from everywhere. Amen. The reading is taken from 1 Corinthians 12, verse 12 to 26, and it can be found on page 1153. One body, many parts. The body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. So it is with Christ, for we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On contrary, those parts of the body seem to be weaker, are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with such special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. What are presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has combined the members of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lacked it. So that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Amen. Well, good morning again. And uh, before I speak, can we just have a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, it is good to meet with you this morning. And we pray, Lord, that your word will reach our hearts, that you will change us. And Lord, we pray that the words that I speak will will not be heard, but this will be your words. It will be your spirit that changes us. In Jesus' name we pray now. Amen. (coughs) 
Well, my talk this morning um, is filled with compassion. And we've just read in um, Mark's Gospel about the man who had leprosy. And um, we, we read, of course, that Jesus um, healed that man. Now, let's remember the ignorance that particularly was there in those days and that there's still that same ignorance now and the myths that are around. People thought that one caught leprosy through touch. Um, and um, that is clearly not true. We know that now. Leprosy is not a skin disease. Leprosy is a bacterial disease that affects the nerve cells and destroys the nerve cells. And you'll find leprosy where there's malnutrition um, and where there's poor sanitation or where there's poor health care. And consequently, um, lepers were banished from healthy communities. They were complete outcasts, living in isolation, or at best, living with others who'd got the same disease. And so it would have been a complete shock to have seen Jesus to reach out his hand and to touch the leper. People thought that Jesus was now going to catch leprosy. But we also read that before Jesus did this, Jesus had compassion on the man. And as soon as Jesus touched the man, the leper um, became, became whole again. He became healed. Um, he was cured. And I found it interesting, as we listen to that passage in Mark, um, how the cured leper was then able to move about and walk freely and talk freely um, to other people. But Jesus, on the other hand, because of the widespread publicity, he had to stay outside the town. He had to stay in lonely places, we read. And it's a complete reversal, of course, as to what had been happening before when the leper was in the lonely places and Jesus could move around freely. And I see that as a bit of a picture of how when Jesus moves into our hearts and we put our trust and faith in him, um, there's, it's Jesus taking our sin upon himself and he is becoming, if you like, the leper that we were. It's because of our sins that we were outcasts from God. Let's remember that. Without necessarily realising it, we were a people without hope. We need someone with compassion to reach out and touch us. We needed a rescue plan. We needed Jesus to touch us, to lay down his life for us. And without Jesus' death on the cross, we wouldn't be able to experience eternal life. And as God's children, um, we're now rescued. And as a result, we can also experience God's presence with us in our, through his Holy Spirit. And this should surely make us feel so grateful um, for what God has done for us. Now, it seems that we're one of two groups of people here this morning were either um, of the group that has yet to experience that touch of Jesus on our life. And we need to come to him just as the leper did and say, please, will you cleanse me um, 
I want to know you um, more thoroughly. Or we're part of the group that's already experienced um, that wonderful um, life-changing experience because Jesus has touched us. And surely that means that we are now being transformed by Jesus into his likeness. But just let's reflect on that for a moment. What does it mean to be transformed into the likeness of Jesus? Surely it means acting as Jesus did. And how did Jesus act? He acted with compassion. And our faith should move us with compassion to love and to care for those people just as Jesus had compassion, just as Jesus does have compassion. My devotions um, at the beginning of this year talked about not just loving the world generously, but loving the world outrageously and loving the world joyfully, just as Jesus did. This is a... a, um, a hospital in a town called Musafapur. And Musafapur is in Bihar in the north of India. And Bihar is India's poorest state. The hospital here was built some 40 years ago. And when it was built, um, it was caring for a small fraction of the people that go there today. Um, However, there are now over 600 people come daily to the outpatients department. And they know it's probably their only chance of seeing a doctor within miles and miles and miles. The outpatients department, unfortunately now, is so dilapidated that it threatens the existence of the whole department and the whole hospital. People wait in stifling heat or can they get soaked in monsoon rains? And we, the leprosy mission, are desperate to rebuild and bring this hospital up to modern standards. The hospital was um, built on low-lying land, and it floods very easily, especially in recent years with the effects of recent local climatical changes. There's um, very limited toilets and washing facilities, not like the grand toilets that I visited in your church here this morning. Um, There's very little privacy for patients. It means that other patients can overhear the private conversations that take place with the doctor. And the waiting areas are exposed to the extreme weather of northern India. But nobody's turned away. The staff work from dawn till dusk until every patient has been seen. And this young lady is a lady called Rajisha. She's now 18 years of age and she's um, had leprosy. She first noticed um, the signs of leprosy, dry, dry patches of skin on her hands and and on her face. And then her fingers began to curl inwards and stiffen. Fortunately, there was a doctor visiting her village in northern India, and he recognised the signs of leprosy, and he gave her medication 
which cured the disease because leprosy is curable. Sadly, it came too late. The nerve, sense, nerve cells in her hands had been destroyed. Her fingers were so curled inwards that she couldn't even do basic things like comb her hair or even feed herself. Um, but the doctor said to her, take yourself up to Musafapur Hospital and they can do some um, reconstructive surgery for you. So um, Rajisha travelled over 100 kilometres to the hospital. She travelled alone because her mum was too poorly to go with her and her dad was too poor that he couldn't stop work to be able to take time off work. Let's just think how Rajisha must have felt She'd probably never travelled that far. She, in fact, had never travelled that far on her own before. And here she is on this long journey. Um, she's, she's disabled because of her hands, of course. And she said she felt so scared travelling that way, not knowing what she was going to expect, not knowing what was going to happen. And when she arrived at the hospital, she was exhausted. And she then had this long anxious wait to see the doctor in the heat that I've just been talking about. There was nowhere for her to sit inside and there was only the odd seat outside. But after many hours, a doctor did see her and he admitted her into the hospital. And that's when everything started to change for this young lady. She felt for the first time for a long time, as if somebody really cared and was going to do something about her disease. She's now had reconstructive surgery um, on, her, on her right hand. And, uh, by the way, that just cost £140 for that reconstructive surgery. It straightened her fingers on her right hand. And as we speak, she's still there waiting for the operation on her left hand. Rajisha is enjoying being with girls of a similar age who've had um, a similar operations. And they cheer each other up, she says. And she said now that when she um, finally is able to resume education, she'd like now to be a nurse so that she can help people as other people have helped her. Um, she enjoys going to the chapel services at the hospital and says that that has given her hope. Um, she also loves writing, and there was a few people from the leprosy mission uh, last autumn, and they met Rajisha, and she wrote with her wrong hand, the hand that she could still write with, um, that famous verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but will have eternal life. Have you ever been tempted to think that God doesn't see you, or that even if he did, he's not really interested. God cares about us so much that he'll do everything in his power to have us in his family. He longs this morning to sit with us, to comfort us, to guide us, to love us. You are seen and loved by God. Our reading in Corinthians this morning talked about the Christian body being composed of so many different parts. 
And if one part is in pain, we can't ignore it. And so if I was to stub my toe this morning um, and the pain that goes into that, into that toe, then the brain sends messages to the heart and gets the heart to send blood cells down into the, into the um, toe to, to try and relieve the pain. And if necessary, it will send blood clotting cells to um, start to heal um, the bit that's been um, hurt. And, and so it is with the spiritual body of, of uh, God, I believe. We, he being the head sends messages to the heart, which is us, to send help to different parts of the body that are in trouble. And different parts of the body that are in trouble could be people in this church that we should be mindful of, or in this community. Or it could be people from further afield, like in Musafirpur Hospital. The heart is often seen as the centre of the body. We use expressions, don't we? I'd like to get to the heart of the matter. Or we sometimes say, I know with my heart that this is true. In the book of Samuel, we read that the Lord looks upon the heart. And in Psalm 51, David tells us that God delights in a broken and contrite heart. Further in Psalm 139, David takes this further and asks God to search him and know his heart and point out anything that offends him. And sadly, just as our physical organ um, can, our spiritual heart can become sick and diseased. Jeremiah has an awful lot to read about uh, to say about hearts, if you would like to read Jeremiah later today. Um, and he says in chapter 17 that the Lord searches our hearts and sees that they are deceitful and beyond cure. It was in December 1967 that the first heart transplant took place to replace a heart that was so diseased it was uncurable. And this is what David is saying in, in, the, in his Psalms. He says, create in me a new heart, a pure heart, a clean heart. Jesus himself says, the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart. But how can we do that with a heart that's clogged up with our own broken and sinful and and selfish desires. The Bible talks about how our hearts have become hardened, just as our physical arteries can become blocked. And so we need the transplant or the surgery that the psalmist is offering us, a new and pure heart, so that we can relate to the heart of God, so that we can, he can write his laws upon our heart, when Lydia, um, the tender of, and trader of purple cloth in the New Testament, is converted, Paul says the Lord opened up her heart to respond to God's message. Maybe today we are needing open heart surgery 
from our Lord. Our loving Father says that he is willing to give us a transplant. And he's promised in Ezekiel chapter 36, he says, I will give you a new heart and I'll put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone. Ezekiel is talking about heart transplants here. I will give you a heart of flesh, he says. This morning we need the Lord to examine us. Are we willing to trust him? Are we willing for him to search our hearts? And if necessary, are we willing to ask him to make us um, active again and to give us a clean heart? Jesus said, out of our hearts will flow rivers of, of living water. Out of our hearts will flow blessing, invigorating others. And I believe that this is Jesus telling us, as a result of our salvation, there should be compassion and an outpouring of blessing from us to help transform and provide for those people who are in desperate situations, just like an oasis can provide life in a desert region. Now, I've never been to this district before, so I certainly don't know your situation here today. But maybe you feel you've got plenty of troubles of your own. Maybe this morning, feeling perhaps spiritually dry. You feel life doesn't have an awful lot of joy at the moment, struggling to overcome temptations. Maybe you feel that God is distant. Maybe you're feeling lack of hope. I wonder if you're feeling maybe that life is becoming a bit of a struggle. Um, Maybe with the economic situation. Or maybe as we get older, less firm, less capable. But our God is the same God of the Bible. He's the same God now. And he will provide. He promises to provide for us this morning He tells his people not to dwell on how badly they've been, um, but to think about the goodness and the provision of God. He says, see, I'm doing a new thing, and now it springs up. I'm making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wastelands. And these promises are for us too. We should remember God's love and passion to deliver us from all these things and all these times. I believe God is saying to us, you may not see it and you may not feel it, but I am providing for you. Put your hand in my hand and trust in me. And remember too that God is doing a new thing in Merciful Poor Hospital. What a privilege to be able to partner with God in this district here. And what a privilege it is to be able to partner with God over in Musafapur Hospital, that distant part of the body. The future of people affected by leprosy is one of hope. If we work in partnership with God to bring about change. One way you can do that um, is to pray regularly 
please pray with compassion for the people affected by leprosy. People like Rajisha, if you can't remember her name or you can't remember Musafopur Hospital, just pray for that hospital in the north of India that's dilapidated. Another practical support you could do is to provide a small gift. I know many of you are giving regularly, but £24 will provide a cure for leprosy. £36 will provide a tonne of bricks for the new hospital that we're desperate to build. These days, if I go out for a, a coffee and a cake, it costs about £6. Do you know that if you gift £6 to the leprosy mission, it would provide a child's education for a whole year? The cost of a coffee and a cake. Now, I certainly don't want to spoil your cuppa this next week, but when you have a cup of tea with a friend, may the, the actual drinking the cup of tea or the, the cup of coffee, may it just jog the memory And could I ask you that you'll tell your friend, too, about the work that is needed over in that part of northern India. Well, I'd like to thank you so much for your compassion. Every prayer, every gift makes a difference to bring about medical miracles for people like Rajisha, affected by leprosy. May God bless you. Amen.